Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, Tom O'Dwyer and Siobhan Kavanagh from the Chagas Signpost Programme join us to outline the key objectives of the programme and how they align with climate action policy. We look at it in specifically in relation to um, climate action and reduce, reducing gaseous emissions. So we're tied into a number of international, EU and national agreements and policies. And I suppose if you go back to 2015, the UN set out a set, a series of sustainability development goals and there's 17 of those goals. And it's a universal call to action, basically to end poverty, protect the environment, improve the lives and prospects for everyone. And one of those 17 goals, goal 13 actually, is around reducing gaseous emissions. And I suppose those goals, or that one in particular, has set off a set of agreements and policy declarations across the globe, both at a national, international level and a national level. So just maybe to take you through a couple of those. The main ones are, obviously, we've signed up to the Paris Agreement, which is actually a legally binding agreement. And that requires that all 197 nations um, involved limit temperature increases to less than two degrees Celsius, or ideally less than one and a half. And when a lot of people hear this to say, yeah, sure, we'd love to have an increase of two degrees in our temperature. We'd have much nicer summers. But I suppose to make two points on that, um, that's two degrees on average, and that can be far higher in the summer months and lower in the winter months, obviously. But then one, one or two degrees might have a massive impact on us in Ireland, but elsewhere in the world, two degrees could be, could be very, one or two degrees could be very, very critical. So that's the Paris Agreement that we're signed into. At an EU level, then the Green Deal, or more specifically the Farm to Fork strategy, which is at the centre of that, has set out a number of targets for farming to achieve over the next couple of years. So you have your greenhouse gas reductions, you have um, reductions in nitrogen use, antibiotic use, pesticide use, and a number of other things. So that's at an EU level. And then at a national level, we have the, up until now, I suppose, we've had the Climate Action Plan, which sets out a target of reducing agricultural greenhouse gases by 10 to 15%. But just to stress, that is now old news. That plan is gone. Um, the Climate Action Bill was passed through the House of the Oireachtas only very recently, and that sets out a target to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in the whole of, for the, for the country, by 51% by 2030, and committing to net zero or carbon neutrality by 2050. So that 51% is for the whole country. So that's all the sectors, so agriculture, transport, energy, et cetera. So while the bill has been passed, we don't yet know what the sectoral carbon budgets are going to be or what, what it will be specifically for agriculture, transport, energy. So if we say on average the reduction is 51% by 2030, it, it's, the question is, do we get a reduction of, of 50% or do we get slightly less? If we get slightly less, somebody else is going to get more. So really we're waiting on the next couple of months as to where that's going to sit for agriculture and what the targets are going to be. And, and that will impact then on on signposting and how we achieve that, how we set about achieving those targets. So I think, Siobhan, you have identified, you know, a lot of context as to what policies are going to dictate um, how we farm in the future. And you also allude there to the end, the signpost programme. So to you, Tom, like, you know, the signpost programme is something that will, I suppose, tackle, um, you know, the targets and help farmers achieve them. Can you give us some information on the rationale to the Chaga signpost programme and maybe some of the key objectives that have been set out? I suppose Siobhan has given the, the, the policy context for the signpost programme. And it's in that policy context that the signpost programme, I suppose, was originally imagined. 
the other uh, uh, context to bear in mind is, is the piece of research work uh, conducted by Chagas colleagues in uh, Johnstown Castle in Athenry, uh, which was published in 2018 originally, I think, and republished then uh, with slight modifications in 2019. And that's the Chagas marginal abatement cost curve or the Chagas MAC. So your listeners may, may or may not have heard of the Chagas MAC. And that's a piece of research that identifies the technologies that can contribute to reducing greenhouse gas emissions and the, the level of uh, impact that the different technologies can make. And effectively, I, I describe that or I use the analogy of um, the MAC provides us with the tools in the, the, the climate action toolbox. So we have a number of technologies and practices which we can, which can, which farmers can adopt to reduce emissions. And the challenge and, and one of the reasons why the signpost program has been uh, created is that it was recognized at the time of the publication of that piece of research that there was a need for a significant um, advisory uh, and education effort to help farmers, to support farmers, to enable farmers to make the changes that are required. And, and that's what the signpost program is about. It's about helping farmers to uh, adopt technologies. In relation to specific objectives, then, um, are the objectives from the program, we were quite clear. The objective of the program is, is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, as Siobhan said, uh, the Climate Action Plan of 2019 uh, indicates that agriculture needs to reduce total emissions from agriculture to the range of 17 and a half to 19 million tonnes. Uh, we're currently at somewhere between 20 and 21 million tonnes uh, of emissions annually. So that reduction was somewhere of the order of about 15%. And based on, on the MAC curve, the Chagas MAC curve, we believe that we, we have the tools in the toolbox to do that. Um, but again, back to Siobhan's point, if, if, the, if, the, um, if the target for reduction for agriculture is higher, uh, we're going to have to go back and review the objectives of the signpost program so that they align with any, any new policy objectives. And we're, we're probably going to have to look for uh, additional tools to try and help us uh, uh, reach those objectives. And looking to the team involved in the signpost programme, Siobhan, um, you know, obviously on the Chaga side of things, um, yourself, Siobhan, uh, Tom O'Dwyer, who else is involved in the signpost programme? Within the, the, the direct team on the signpost programme, you've, you have a, a relatively small team of people directly employed in it. But this programme is a collaboration of industry, state bodies, farm organisations, all working together with farmers to bring about change. So the team is quite big. You know, the direct team that are involved in it within Chagas is quite small, but there's a much wider team um, associated with it. And um, so it, within Chagas, all, in reality, all of our advisors, our specialists, our education officers within the colleges, and also at a local level within the regions, regions, our researchers are all part of the big team that are going to deliver the program. So the advisory program, as Tom said, is a big part of the, of the, the, the rollout of Signpost, and that can be delivered by our own Chagask advisors and educators, but also the frontline staff or the, the personnel within each of the partner organizations and using all of their communication channels to reach as wide an audience as possible. I think it's a big plus for the program that there is such buy-in, like we've over 40 organizations that have signed up to the program and are partnering on the program. And that gives us great leverage to get out to a much wider audience and get our messages out through so many different channel, channel, channels over the next couple of years. 
the signpost farms are obviously um, another part of that team and they're a really important part of it because the, these 100 odd signpost farms, I think we have 100 there at the moment and there's some more to be added, are really central to the programme and they're going to lead the way in terms of technology adoption to reduce gaseous emissions over the next couple of years. So there's a big team, the direct team involved is quite small, but really there's a, a, a huge team of people across the organisation and externally working on this programme. And I think, you know, you mentioned the farmers and they will showcase um, best practice in, in achieving a reduction in emissions. And from the most recent uh, signposts newsletter, um, I was just looking at the map and from a dairy perspective, they're mapped across the country. And I suppose in reality for any dairy farmer, you know, there's somebody in your county and, and maybe your locality that you can, you know, um, I suppose, benchmark yourself off of. Yeah, so we've about 54 of the dairy farmers with 54 signpost dairy farmers, as you say, they're dotted right across the country. And we've tried to create as much um, diversity within that cohort of farmers in terms of scale, um, soil type, age profile, there's some autumn ones. We will have some organic farmers within that as well. So there is a lot of variety. And the, the hope is that farmers will be able to identify um, signpost farms that they'll be able to follow. And And to you, Tom... I mean, you mentioned the Mac curve um, and if, if we t- talk practically now in terms of what you're looking at uh, from a farm perspective, we're well versed in the benefits of things like protected urea, low emission slurry spreading, um, you know, higher genetic merit animals. And also, you know, now more and more we're seeing that people are beginning to integrate white clover on their farms. But I mean, to take it a step further and you mentioned, you know, adding new technologies to the climate action toolbox but besides what I've mentioned uh, I guess just now is there anything else that you see as simple wins on farms where farmers can implement changes to their practices? Yes uh, research is is ongoing and research will always uh, identify new uh, solutions which can be applied by farmers Um, you know if if we look back over time you know we, we can see um, items that have emerged through research and are now commonplace on farms. So that's that's going to continue. Um, however, be, before identifying some of those new and emerging technologies, um, Emma-Louise, I'd, I'd just like to say that it is important that dairy farmers um, embrace and adopt the technologies that you, you, you have said that they are so well-versed in. So for example, protected urea. You know, while while farmers might be familiar with the technology, um, there's a long way to go uh, until we have the level of usage of protected urea that we need to achieve. Likewise, with white clover, again, you are you are correct. You know, I've met farmers uh, and they're embracing white clover. You know, and they're 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 um, using slightly different altered techniques at reseeding time to ensure that you know, white clover is established and then the post post management, they're doing things slightly differently to give the clover the best chance possible. So yes, farmers are beginning to embrace it, but we're a long way from being at the, the level of um, adoption of, of those known technologies to, to say that, you know, the, the game is won there. Um, but moving on to your, your question of the new technologies, I suppose two, two perhaps come to mind. One, one is in the area of um, methane inhibitors, uh, a feed additive that could be added to the diet of animals, um, which would uh, reduce the amount of methane um, uh, uh, um, created by animals as, as they ruminate, okay? 
Um, now, that's been researched by uh, colleagues in Chagas, Chagas Moor Park and Chagas Grange currently. Um, uh, there was some research conducted last year, and I think this year is the first full year of research. So we'll all be awaiting the results from that ongoing research with, with interest uh, to see you know, what the potential of that technology. Uh, one of the challenges with that technology, of course, is that research in other countries has shown that, that the technology works. But in an indoor system where the, the, the animal is uh, pro provided feed uh, indoors and is not in a grazing scenario. So one of the challenges might very well be to figure out um, how to deliver or administer the, the feed additive in a way that has an impact uh, on the level of methane um, generated by grazing animals. So that's I, I think that's very exciting and interesting research. And I suppose the other um, technology, I'm, I, I don't know whether maybe it's described as a technology, perhaps it is, but the other one that would come to mind would be the, the, the measurement of carbon sequestration, the amount of carbon that's stored in our soils. Uh, and again, a research project has started and is being led by Chagas colleagues to, to look at this question and to come up with an answer as to how much carbon is stored under different soil types, uh, under different management practices and at different locations. And the signpost farms will be part of that research project with the farms being used as sites for that uh, research work. Um, now, I, and again, kind of to go back to where I started uh, this answer, Emma Louise, these new and emerging practices and technologies, while, while the research is starting or is, is ongoing, having solutions you know, ready for use is going to take time. Um, so, you know, you know yourself as a, as a former re research uh, student that that research takes time. So, you know, research is starting, new solutions will emerge. And I suppose what I'd be asking uh, your listeners to, uh, today to, to focus on is focus on optimizing the solutions that we that we currently know about and get those adopted uh, and in use on your farm. And as new technologies and new practices emerge, we'll start to, to, to let you know about them. And a follow-on question there, Tom. I mean, you talk about the measurement of carbon sequestration and you also talk about, you know, the, uh, while, while it's not, not exactly um, totally linked to my question, you know, um, the methane inhibitors work within the indoor system not, and not, we're looking to adapt it to the, the grass-based system. But from the perspective of our emissions, there has been a lot of conversation you know, when we're compared um, on a per cow basis um, in relation to emissions that we would be, I guess, high emitters in Ireland, while we would um, have some evidence that we would be, um, you know, low in terms of carbon footprint and uh, quite efficient from a carbon perspective. Do you think with more and more research and more evidence of the output of um, gaseous emissions from animals and agriculture in general, that there might be a recalculation as to what the total emissions are from agriculture in Ireland? I suppose that's that's always possible that the, the formula used by, you know, the EPA to calculate agricultural emissions are used by the uh, IPCC to calculate agricultural emissions. The, the formula may very well change because of some new science. Okay, but in my view, my 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 personal view is that you know we we have to play to the rules that are currently in place. You know, um, um, and I I I guess with your question, you're perhaps referring to the treatment of of biogenic methane. 
Um, and, you know, there are rules at the moment as to how methane is counted. And, you know, until those rules change, um, I guess we have to play to the current rules. Now, I know our director is on the record as saying that it would be it would be a false step to perhaps, uh, um, you know, create a, a, a very, say, sharp reduction in the national herd to meet a target if there's going to be some change in those rules in the future, which would perhaps um, negate the need for making that, that step. Um, um, now, he put it a lot better than I'm just after putting it, but I, I, I hope you, you, you get my meaning. Um, so there, there, there is debate ongoing at that at the moment, but you know, I, I, I guess we have to play to the rules. And, and the other thing just to, to, to highlight for your, um, for your listeners, Emma-Louise, is that yes, we are very efficient in terms of carbon footprint. We're, we're amongst the most efficient in the world uh, in terms of kilos of carbon dioxide equivalent per kilo of milk produced. No, no question about that, that's, that's a fact, okay? Uh, however, the challenge at national level and uh, under the policies that are that were referred to by Siobhan in her uh, answer earlier in the interview is in total emissions, total emissions. And, you know, what, what we're caught out on uh, is that our, our level of milk production has increased dramatically over the last number of years and our total emissions have, have increased also. Our, 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 our emissions per kilo of product produced have, has actually declined slightly. So the, the emissions intensity or emissions efficiency has improved, which is positive, but it's been outweighed by the increase in the level of milk produced. So that's, that's where we find ourselves. Um, I, I, you know, I don't think we, we have anything to be ashamed about. That's, that's where we find ourselves. That's, that's the reality. Um, and, but it, it is important that people realize that the challenge at a, at a policy level is to reduce total emissions. And um, we can do that by improving our efficiency of, of, uh, of emissions per kilo of milk. Um, but as long as milk production continues to increase, um, it, it gets very hard then to reduce total emissions, even, even if the emissions intensity per kilo is reducing at the same time. And to get back to some of the practicalities, uh, to you, Siobhan, um, in terms of successful outcomes from the signpost programmes, what are the KPIs that dairy farmers should be targeting? Success in this programme means reducing greenhouse gas emissions on our signpost farms, but on all farms. So the target that's set there at the moment is for greenhouse gas emissions to be reduced on the signpost farms by 10 to 15 percent by 2025 and on all farms by 2030. So the measure of that is, is reducing our gaseous emissions. So on the signpost farms, what's going to happen is the, the signpost farms will be visited by a, a national farm survey recorder on a regular basis to record physical and financial data and environmental data. This data will be used then to generate a figure for total emissions. And that'll tell us, that'll allow us to track the signpost farms over the next five years in terms of their emissions. But it's important to stress that this is not just about the signpost farms. We need all farmers to, to reduce their, their, their gaseous emissions. So really, at the end of the day, success for this program looks, it looks to the EPA report in five years' time to show a reduction in total emissions. And, and Thomas stressed that point that it's total emissions from agriculture, a reduction in five years' time. That's really what success will look like. It's that EPA report for all farms. So in terms of some of the KPIs that have been set out in particular for the signpost farms, um, and this relates back to the MAC curve and a lot of the measures within the MAC curve. So pasture productivity and stocking rate. So 
ideally receiving non-productive spores targeting an increase of two kilos, two tons of dry matter per hectare utilized over five years, reducing fertilizer use or reduced chemical fertilizer usage by 10% over five years, increase, increase sport clover content to 20% over five years, reducing the amount of chemical nitrogen used, um, optimizing soil fertility. So 90% of soils have optimum soil fertility, adequate soil or slurry storage, reducing protein in, in diets, um, targeting 10% of biodiversity per farm. And a lot of these measures are very much in line with economic sustainability as well. So the program is, is taking a very holistic approach in that it's looking at, at economic, environmental and social sustainability. So, and an awful lot of the measures that we're encouraging farmers to take, whether that be protected urea, LESS, improving their nutrient use efficiency, use of clover, improving EBI, they all have an economic, for the most part, a lot of them have an economic benefit for the farmer. So it's not just an environmental benefit in terms of reducing their greenhouse gas emissions, but also it'll leave more money in their pocket and, and reduce their costs. As you say, Siobhan, it's a double whammy. Like, I mean, it, it is it is contributing to the, um, you know, the national target of reducing uh, total emissions by 15%, but it's also going to lead to higher profitability at a farm level. And, you know, I suppose, you know, from listening to um, the two of you in relation to the, the, the emerging technologies and also the KPIs, you know, they're basic things to get right. And all, when you add up all those things, it can lead to improved productivity and also a positive impact for the environment. And I guess just to, I, I suppose, to to reiterate your point, Tom, you know, we are all aware of protected urea, but yet there, there probably is um, a lower uptake at farm level just yet. So it's, it's to focus on those uh, proven technologies at this stage. I suppose finally then to you, Tom, um, you know, from the perspective of dairy farmers that are listening in today, how can they engage with the signpost program and learn from it to maximise the potential um, in terms of reducing emissions on their own farms? OK, very good question, um, uh, Emma Louise. Um, I suppose the, the first point, um, and, you know, I suppose we've talked a lot during the interview about the signpost farmers. Uh, Siobhan mentioned that there's over 50 dairy signpost farmers spread right across the country. So the, the first suggestion I'd make is, is you know, fi find out who the, the signpost farmer is in your locality. And you can do that by visiting the, the signpost webpage on the Chagas website at uh, uh, www.chagas.ie forward slash signpost. Um, so, you know, you'll, you'll know then who the farmer in your locality is. And perhaps you can be keeping an eye out on, on, on uh, for that farmer, on maybe for events on that farm or for updates from that farm. Um, uh, the second uh, suggestion I'd make is that uh, the Signpost program is, is publishing an electronic newsletter on a monthly basis. Um, we issue that uh, on the first Wednesday of every month. And you can sign up for that newsletter. It'll be uh, emailed directly to your inbox uh, once you sign up. And again, you can sign up for that newsletter on our website. Um, the third uh, suggestion I'd make is that um, it's important, I think, as a first step that uh, dairy farmers increase their awareness around this challenge of reducing greenhouse gas emissions and that they inform themselves of, um, of the facts. OK, um, so, you know, we, we've, we've probably used some terms and language during this interview that 
that Siobhan and I are familiar with, and perhaps some of the listeners, maybe they, they're, they're scratching their heads and wondering, you know, and um, so, you know, we've, we've generated a, a, a glossary page. So, you know, it, it might be no harm to familiarize with yourselves with some of the terms and to understand um, s- some of the, the terms and measurements that are used uh, and to understand why uh, Irish dairy farming, why Irish agriculture uh, is contributing uh, 35% to greenhouse gas emissions in Ireland. Um, uh, and so on. Um, and and uh, um, in, on a similar vein, then, the, the other thing that I'd ask dairy farmers to become aware of, to increase their awareness of, uh, in, in the first instance, uh, is what the level of emissions are from their individual farm. Uh, you know, what's, what's the number? What are your total emissions? What, what's your emissions per kilo of milk produced? Because, you know, if we asked any of your listeners on the show, uh, you know, how many kilos of milk solids did you did you produce last year or how many tons of grass dry matter did you utilize last year? Louise, I guess you you'd expect that that a lot of dairy farmers listening to your show would be able to quote those figures back to you with without having to go and and look up a, a report. And many dairy farmers would. And I think the first stage in, in, in trying to manage greenhouse gas emissions from from agriculture, but from dairy farming for for the the people listen to this podcast is to understand the level of greenhouse gas emissions that are being produced currently on your farm. And that information is available through your Board BIA uh, Sustainable Dairy Assurance Report. Uh, Board BIA provide that information to dairy farmers based on, on the information provided uh, in, in that audit and survey process. So that, that would be my final recommendation that, that dairy farmers familiarize themselves with the level of uh, um, emissions produced on their farm. Uh, and 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 once they have established that, then well, then they can ask start to ask questions as to how to go about reducing it. We we know it's it's uh, it's summertime and and people are finished schooling on holidays, but I think that's um, a really useful bit of homework to give to people. And um, you know, everyone should have that board be audit available to them, and that is essentially the starting point for every farmer across the country to establish where they're at and then chip away and reduce the amount of emissions coming from their farm. Siobhan and Tom, thank you. Thank you, Emily. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Siobhan Kavanagh and Tom O'Dwyer for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.